Hello there and welcome to the latest episode of the Sift Takers Snapshots podcast. This is producer Tim uh, taking the lead again as the adults are away and I am joined by Liam. Buongiorno again. I need to learn a new language. I can't keep saying buongiorno, can I? Probably not. Yeah, go and... That's your job for next week. Go and learn something else. Okay. Uh, we are then joined by captain of the first place losers uh, of England is Oliver Potwell. Yeah, I mean, you could have made that sound a bit better. I mean, second in the world? Well, this is it. But... We're, we're all first place, except one person here is an actual proper first place, and the rest of us are just, yeah. Yeah, that seems fair. That seems fair. I mean, yeah, regardless, uh, bonjour, mon ami, ça va? So... <laughs> Uh, and then someone uh, who um, probably can speak better French than I can, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, all the way from the victorious team Canada, we have Brendan. Salut, c'est moi. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he can speak better French than you can. Yeah, absolutely. I, I did Italian in school, and that's, yeah, yeah. French just yeah, washes over me. But yeah, well, well done, Brendan. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for coming on the uh, the podcast this week. No worries, it's a ton of fun being here. Excellent. I mean, we were just chatting about how tired everybody is, um, so hopefully we can uh, keep the, the show going and not sound too dreary. Um, I think we've got a lot, lot of uh, interesting things to chat about. Um, obviously, we were, we were hopefully going to have Ollie on last week, um, but, you know, sc scheduling conflicts and all that. Um, but what I thought might be quite good to perhaps uh, just chat about uh, we'll, we'll look back a bit about perhaps um, how the teams were formed and group stage and then build up to the finals. Um, so firstly, um, Brendan, I think we'll, we can start with yourself. So not wanting to rub it in, but Canada were drawn in the group of death last year and didn't quite yeah. make it out the group stage. So I believe, I think, did Philippines um, come through with England? Uh, it was Ireland. No, it was Ireland. It was Ireland, sorry. We threw against Ireland, uh, which kind of put Canada it out of it. it. Like, <laughs> so it was a three-way tie at five and, or five, four and two, was it? Uh, yeah, four and two. Yeah, there, was there were seven like teams, yeah. then uh, six games. Uh, and so Canada just missed out on the tiebreakers, which there's worse ways to go out. No, it, it hurt yeah, though. Yeah, it was it was a tough group. Um but you know, you were a good good bunch of players. So what did you guys do basically to sort of get yourselves ready for this year and, and you know, perhaps what did you do differently? Uh so the it actually took us a little bit by surprise. So Cam was saying had he had like as much time in the world he what he might have done just to be like as fair as possible would be to have a proper tournament to qualify in. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't have time for that. Uh, so he just had people send in resumes, like Google Forms, but essentially they were like X-Wing resumes. Uh, what factions do you play? Uh, what's your play style? And like, what are some notable tournaments you had? Uh, so... Based on all that information, uh, getting together an even group that we have uh, some representation throughout all of Canada, but we also have some really balanced X-Wing in there as well. Uh, all of Canada? 
Eh, we're missing out on a few places, but we've got ten provinces and three territories. We can't represent you've them also, all with just three, five you've players. Also fifty-one states. <laughs> Not everyone has the advantage of being able to split their uh, play area into four places. No, yeah, it's true. Uh, uh, yeah, but we've got two now. No, that's good. Um, I think it's. You know, the, it's something that came up in the Sift Taker chat. Uh, people were sort of perhaps grumbling a little bit about team selection, and I, I guess it can always be seen as a bit sort of closed door as such. Because I mean, I was trying to, I've, I've been involved in various different sort of uh, ETC, XTC teams over the years, and it's very hard to do a completely open, you know, say qualifying event that will actually get you the perhaps the strongest uh-huh. team. And- so go. Uh, that is something I think Cam did quite well. He tried to reach as many of the groups as possible, like be it Facebook or Discord, and say, "Like we've got this Google sheet for Team Canada. If you're available, sign up." Yeah. Uh, like so, Ollie is on the ball and he sees everything. But uh, I think the Google sheet did sort of help, just be like be open, and so, uh. I didn't personally see any grumblings about how Team Canada was selected, and I saw a whole lot of celebrations from all over once we did win it. No, no. So. I, I wasn't saying for yourselves. I was saying <laughs> yeah, more yeah. is uh, sort of it's a general comment that often comes up. Yeah. And I know uh, Ollie in previous years, uh, like you've basically posted up on Facebook and said this is kind of what you're looking for. You look at this is what you know the commitment is because there is an awful lot of time and you know effort that goes into. You know, preparing for the XTC. You know, you're practicing, refining lists, doing your matchups and stuff. Um, yeah, it's it's know. really interesting because I actually quite like the resume idea, essentially, um, because then people that are interested are willing to put the time and effort into putting together a resume. Right? Uh, you you're gonna like get your results. Uh, I essentially do the same thing that Cam did. I just instead of asking people, I just go and look at their results on TTT. Uh, we have the advantage of, well, certainly up until this point um, in 2.0, there were a ridiculous amount of large X-Wing events around uh, the England and Europe area. So I had quite a lot of data to draw from that I could just send 30 or so messages out to some of the best players in, in the UK and say, hey, you're interested, do you want to play? And then d- exactly what he did, basically um, get those players together and say, okay, what can you play? Um, how are you going to bring something to the team like what factions can you use and then create a team out of that and i think that's one of the key things about a successful team is you can't just take the x amount of best players because they might all play the same faction they might not work together and i think it's something that um gets america down quite a lot um every single year the usa really struggles with people going oh why isn't duncan howard playing or why isn't nathan id playing or why isn't paul heaver playing it's like well one, do they play online? And two, have they actually had a think about making a team as opposed to just these individual players? Yeah, and I think that's uh, one thing I was trying to say to people. Like, if you have a selection tournament, what do you do if everybody takes the the, the meta hotness? So then you then set set with, or, or do you select the best per faction? Um, you know, is that is that a fairer way? You could have a team event, but then you know, if that team wins. What happens in if some of those players can't make the XDC or can't make the finals? What do you do? Do you disqualify the team or do you bring in replacements? So um, I think 
I think there has to be perhaps some sort of happy medium and and probably a mixture of, you know, like you say, a re- resume, uh, but looking at people's results. And I think that's what we tried to do in sort of the England team this year was very much look at what people were doing online because um, this was going to be an online XTC um, and sort of, you know, I think that's I think I think we did pretty well to be honest with with sort of picking those available players that were playing well online. Mm. So that was one of my comments from last year. I was trying not to be grumbly about it, but uh we did have a number of people who didn't play so much online and like both online and physical use the same skill sets, but they're still very different games and like sometimes like for example, judging distances on table. Like it's the same skill set, but at the same time they don't translate. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you have to like the decisions that you make are the same, but you have to train that ability. I, I do most of my practice online, um, but I always make sure to get a couple of games on the table before I play a big event because you can't just bounce between the two. It it messes with your head. Um and it's something that I mean I, I always get people saying why wasn't i in the team or why isn't this person in the team uh like i've i've done it for seven years now and you get it every year but something that i got a lot of this year is like oh who who are some of these players because we had a couple of newer players um and i dan athy was one of those just like oh not many people know dan it's like yeah but he's been doing really well recently um and i'm going to add on to what brendan was saying um as well as getting online specialists it's important to remember that not as many people have had that many reps of the new edition of the game 2.5 and the new patches of it essentially and dan is one of those people that has played a lot of that newer version and knows it really well so yeah so one of the reasons i do think we won uh was i do think we played 2.5 the best uh we can go into that later but uh go ahead liam uh going back to the the online and real life X-wing, like I understand that there is slight differences in the game, but coming from someone who was decent at the game pre-lockdown and then moving to tabletop, and that's where I kind of just started to really get started getting some solid results, improve as a player, hound really good players for games. But I've also been able to just jump straight to offline and apply that straight away. So, like, it's when I hear it's a different game, it confuses me a bit. So I'm like, well, hang on. I'd, I'd argue. Just... Sorry, carry on. No, I'm saying it's just maybe it's just I've been able to apply it because I started really doing well online. And then when I moved to a tabletop, it's a little bit freer because you've got your wiggle room, stuff like that. And I've it's, been able it's... to just jump to it. It's a lot easier to go from online to table than it is to go from table to online uh when i first started playing online and i've been playing a lot on table um i probably about a year into the game at this point and i first started vassal i was just hitting rocks all over the place like and the same thing happened with tts i refused to play tts for a full six months because i just couldn't get the perspective um and eventually I, i pushed through it and managed to play it and i still know a lot of players um that i practice with online that we just play in full like take back mode because they can't play on TTS. So it's just like, oh, you you did that two bank and hit the rock. I know you'd not do that in real life. So take back that move, put in the three bank. Just so we like we're playing practice games with the training wheels on because they just can't play TTS. 
Do you think it's more I... of a horses for courses thing? Some people are just better at adapting to it online or well, that was what I was about to say, yeah. Yeah, and I think we, we, we chatted about it as well. I think there is a certain mentality that works perhaps better in and around people. And there's some people, like you, you say, you can more introvert, extrovert or whatever. Um, but there's certainly people that are fine to be on their own all day, playing online, talking to people, you know, over, you know, Discord and, and looking at a computer screen. Uh, and there's some people that just don't, don't like that part of the game. There's, you know, there are players out there very good players that have just got no interest in playing online and that's absolutely fine um but i think yeah when it comes to team selection for an online event you then i don't know if we did it so much last year but certainly perhaps taking good players and it sort of expecting that to translate onto the computer wasn't as clear-cut and that's why this year I, i feel ollie you know you sort of took more of a well, let's look at the best online players we have. Yeah, I don't like Brendan. Did you guys? Because I I know that you said that you felt that you played two point five like really really well as a team. Can you like talk about that from your team's perspective? Like, was that something that you were very much looking for? Is both online and two point six? Uh, so we did actually uh, because for the finals we knew. And the group stages as well, actually. We knew all the scenarios going in, and we knew which uh, scenarios like our individual lists were good at. We were actually, when we were doing the matchups and which ones uh, we uh, were thinking of positively and which ones were negatively, we did really uh, like factor in that scenario into it, right? Like, so... Uh, Cam, for example, when he uh, was looking at a double decimator list, like, oh, this is uh, chance engagement, so I get half points on decimators. Uh, so we factored it into the matchups. Uh, I think we were generally reporting in our uh, chat, though, where, like, well, this hasn't been going quite so well, but I'm still alive on the scenario points, whereas uh, a lot of the time, like, in 2.0, like, we would have been dead in the water at that stage. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, we were certainly, um, over the course of the tournament, um, we were certainly adjusting um, our pairings as we went, but we, myself and Tim, took a fair bit of time before the event to go, okay, we know the scenarios in advance, let's see how we can adapt this to, yeah, like how how each, and the double decimates are the perfect example, right? Playing them in chance engagement means you can get half points, and we got lucky that we played both double decimated teams in those half point scenarios um and yeah ironically it didn't work out for me because half points and x-wings are just as bad but say levy yeah uh i do think generally our lists were poorest at salvage but i just have to keep trucking through those yeah no i think that's interesting i think like also we we, we've seen a lot of change in the salvage mission from 2.5 to 2.6 and i think that's probably because the Jedi in particular were probably too good at salvage in two point five with the with the you know the, the force reposition. Um whereas now um you're seeing a lot of lists being affected by the fact you can't boost and barrel roll. Um and I think that ha- has a bigger impact than say um doing K turns or, or not being able to do K turns. Yeah. Um so yeah no I think that's an interesting change and it certainly has changed that mission up for a lot of people. 
yeah, it's interesting because the Jedi's like they can't reposition and they love repositioning, but they still have those passive mods. Mm-hmm. That's still really good when you have to do those scenario actions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this uh, you know you can do your fine tunes boost to move within range to pick up. Um, so you know it's not terrible, but yeah, I think the mm-hmm. Jedi were really good. One, you know, in, in salvage in two point five. Cool. So that's kind of a bit of sort of the preamble. Um, so how about we just sort of touch on briefly on how the group stage went for for our, our teams? Well, I mean, it was uh, interesting to see some of the four uh, O teams and how they did in finals, right? No, absolutely. Yeah, it's um, well. That, I mean, that's it. Like, obviously, some groups are going to be perhaps a bit easier than others, um, but then it's it's that the group stage is all about qualifying for the finals, and then the finals is where you've got to sort of turn up and put the results in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Brendan, how were the group stages for you? Because we were, um, obviously, all of us were on the same team. So like, how was Canada throughout the group stages, uh, especially uh, against your interesting brothers? Yeah, so we, I would overall describe it comfortably. The uh, We went for, so we had Serbia, Switzerland, Hungary, and the States. And we went, went 5-0 against... Uh, Serbia, and then I believe four one against uh, Switzerland and uh, Hungary. So uh, comfortable, and we got the three wins required to move on. Uh, and uh, after a lot of trash talking from one team, uh, another team pulled out the victory in the Canada USA series. So that was fun. Uh, well, it, made, I, it, made, it made it quite interesting at one point, didn't they? Because I think that mathematically there was. A scenario in the last round where the USA didn't progress. Uh, yeah, so there was a possibility the USA didn't progress. There was actually a possibility Canada didn't progress. Uh, if we managed to lose against Switzerland, then the three teams could be three one, and uh, we would have fewer wins than everyone else. Like we'd have to have lost pretty seriously badly for that to happen. But thankfully for us, that didn't happen. Cool. So, I mean, um, oh yeah, I think we've t- we talked about the group stage from an England point of view. So, you know, we 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 progressed as well from four and O. What? Who, so, who were the other four and O teams then? Uh, there was one other four and O team, which was Germany. Oh no, sorry, it's Ireland, wasn't it? I thought Germany. Yeah, Ireland. Was Germany was three and one. So yeah, Ireland. Um, well, they beat England in the finals, but uh, where did they finish mid-table? Uh, yeah, I think they ended up six. Six, six out of ten. So, I mean, that's still yeah. quite a respectable place. Uh, just below the USA. So, they've uh, Ireland finished on four wins and USA were on five wins. Uh, I but... think what's worth noting as well is that when you consider that nobody gave Ireland a shot and they were playing with subs, like... Like Connor and uh, and Mr. Colton, like they are incredible players, but they haven't been playing much two point oh two point five. They came in at the last moment, um, and Ireland still managed to come sixth in final. So I think that is a colossal achievement for them. Yeah, and especially because Connor was basically flying somebody else's list. So Connor played day one and um, flying Cormac's list, and Cormac came back for the Sunday. But no, I think I think they all did uh, pretty well. 
Um, so that will do probably for the group stage. So, um, well, following on from the group stage, was what changes did Canada think about um, in sort of perhaps team composition? Either sort of, I suppose, really, it's from a list point of view. Were there any changes well, you sought to make? So it's worth noting that someone who I view as probably Canada's best player, um, Evan Cameron. Uh, for reference of how good he is, like he doesn't travel to any events, but he's been playing uh, since the dawn of Vassal, and he's been in deep core from the very beginning, like and just hanging out with the big guys. Yeah, uh, I've been playing against him. He's ridiculous. Yeah, he was not able to join us for the finals, even though he went four and zero during the group stages. Uh, so that's where Cam stepped in. Uh, so naturally we decided to take something that cam was a bit more familiar with uh funnily enough we went from a double uh fire spray that evan cameron was running but in separatist with grievous to cam running a double fire spray instead uh so we had that uh the other thing was andrew was looking and it's like we've been seeing the decline of rebels throughout uh the tournaments online like people just don't feel comf comfortable bringing them but also people have figured out how to play around the counters to uh rebels mm. so we were the only team that didn't have rebels in the final yeah it was so this was a really interesting call and i was because we were making this decision as well and we had a look and looked at scum for that reason and because Dan really, really liked Scum, and he was he was playing well with it, but he still only managed two and two because he, coming into the XTC, um, he said that yeah, it's it's a real problem because when you're playing this at your standard local tournament, even against good players, a lot of them just don't know how to handle things like Bosk. Whereas you suddenly step up to the level of the XTC, and every single person that he played against was just like, yeah, I know how to kill this. I just get behind it. I play tactically. I play sensibly. I play the objectives. So we decided to swap out Scum for that reason. Um, I almost swapped off Rebels, but we got punched in the head last year because we made too many late changes. And the list was still going well. I went for our own group, so I thought, you know what? We can use this as a weapon, or at least I can just go first and tank a lot of the matchups, which is kind of what happened. Well, and it's worth noting that there were two Rebels with positive win records in the finals that went 5-4. And both of them had more endgame. When you have the uh, Fen variant uh, that just all it's going to do is going to throw off that alpha. Uh, and there's also, uh, like, especially if you also go with Dutch uh, with proton torpedoes, like, mm. it'll throw those two proton torpedoes, but afterwards it doesn't even have a turret and isn't going to do much. Uh, so. Both of the Rebels with uh, win records in the finals were you, where you just had three ships that had good start uh, engages, but also end game. Mm. Uh, the other one switched... Uh, it did have Dutch both plasma torpedoes. What's interesting about that one is it was Spain. Uh, oh, was it the they, Spain Rebel that went... Yeah, Yeah. so they dropped Luke for uh, Kraken and uh, uh, Arvel. So it has more endgame, but it also has more toolbox uh, stuff to deal with uh, general threats. I believe it was also the only other Rebel that went 4-0 and in the group stages, so the guy's a really good player. 
he basically carried Spain into the finals because um, the rest of the team was struggling in the group stages. I'll say, I think that was the Red Bull list I beat. Hey ho. Uh, yeah, I also came up against that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but Brendan's list is just sad for Rebels. <laughs> like, okay, so it has Aaron Kraken in the list for, uh, like, once you swarm tactics, Aaron, or even at I5, you've got that coordinate. Uh, I was ready for the Rebels where I have Ferrosphere paint, so I'm throwing stress around. It'd be a real shame if Aaron Kraken's buddies at range one of him were stressed in <laughs> couldn't take that red action. Uh, did people just not realize that your list have Ferrosphere? Uh, a bit of both. Like, a part of the problem is, like, even if you do know it, like, you can't just forego munitions against it. Yeah. Uh, what what ended up happening a lot was uh, a lot of the uh, Dutches, Lukes, and Wedges had R3 Astromech, so they can have two locks. So it's like, okay, I'll take a lock against a ship that I have to take stress against, and I'll take one on one of the pods, which doesn't have Ferrosphere paint, which is part of the intention, like trying to encourage you to go after the pods. So, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty, uh, pretty good segue. So, I mean, was did you take this list to the group stage? So I took a very similar list. So it was Stephen Kim who was mucking about, uh, and he said, "Hey, did you realize you could fit five Y wings into a list?" And and yes. we were like, "Oh, huh." And and we also can throw in Finn for good measure. Uh, so and but like I see it, and it's like eh, I'm not too certain. But like we're throwing Ferris for paint on it. At, it's so, like we're still trying to figure out the rebel counters, and like I mucked about. I'm like, honestly, like those Y wings with intuitive interface are the most fun ships in the game. Like just boosting around and getting calculates. Uh, so I did go four zero with it, including a win against Marcel. Uh, but then it was uh during dinner at Gen Con. Uh, I was like, hey, wait a second. These two Y-Wings that are four points, I can have BB-8 and Poe in the list instead. That ah. is genuinely terrifying. <laughs> Just like, like, oh, cool, let me have this Proton Torpedo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and not even compromise the ship count. Uh, so the list that I ran in finals is BB-8. He has Chewy because that's all I can do. Uh, you've got Finn, who's got Heroic and... Uh, uh, perceptive co-pilot. Uh, you've still got three Y-Wings. Uh, they've got the Ferrosphere paint. They've got uh, turrets and bombs. So they've got a whole ton of tools that uh, really help for control. And Poe with proton torpedoes and some other toys. Yeah, it's it's a really scary list. And it's it's interesting uh, how you say that, like the, the Ahsoka endgame, because if I didn't have that A-Wing, I would have had literally no chance against that list. It's just... Well, it's Sorry, go ahead and finish. I was just going to say it was it's really interesting to see how you can it was it was really cool to see the list develop because you clearly you'd spent time with it, you'd played it and then you were just like okay, well how can we how can we improve this? Can we make this better? And then suddenly like Commander Poe appears with a proton torpedo. It's it's really interesting. Yeah. Which is funny cuz we uh like we discussed it in our Discord and uh uh, Rythos actually said, like, I don't think Brendan should be flying Poe. Like, 
It, it's just not up to skill alley. And so I had a practice with it at our local tournament, and I actually went one and two, and I had to say to Cam, like, no, no, I am convinced this is the right step. Like, dice might not have gone my way the first game, but, like, it was still close. And, like, the double fire spray matchup's not for me against Cam, which that's always rough when you go to a local tournament and you uh, have to deal with Cam facing Boba. But, like, <laughs> just steadfastly uh, stuck by my guns and uh, went with that. Uh, and so Ollie and I did play. Uh, the list has a lot of closing power. Uh, you might be able to get a Y-Wing off early, but uh, like if a Y-Wing gets damaged and lives, then it just gets behind the enemy forces. So I had several games where I was down by five points, and I managed to make up the difference. And uh, Ollie and I played in round seven, and uh, I managed to hurt Ahsoka early, so she was down on one, but then, like, I know how Ollie plays. He's going to run with Ahsoka, and I just don't have the uh, resources at this time to take her down. So I just focused on his two X-Wings. And Ollie managed to get, I think by the last turn, it was four-point lead. And so it just came down to if Poe can chase her, which uh, judgment calls on both sides. Uh, uh, the very last turn came down to can Poe with a proton torpedo and focus lock get a kill against Ahsoka, who is obstructed with an evade and uh, full force. Which... Yeah, it, it basically came down to: Do you get a full string, or do I roll two blanks? It was yeah, it it was an in, a really interesting game. But I, I think, curiously enough, because I I was tracking Brendan because I I had a suspicion that I was going to end up playing him, um, but I was tracking how he was doing um, over the course of the finals. And I think the only other list that he lost to, certainly early on, was uh, was at a Rebel Alpha list. So I was thinking, okay, maybe if if someone gets lucky and can manage to either catch Poe or kill a couple of the Y-Wings early enough, um, then he can lose the game. Because he doesn't, as you say, it's got incredible finishing because by the time you've traded a couple of ships, you've still got just a ridiculous amount left. So it's like, okay, I, I think if I kill some Y-Wings early and maybe finish off a pod, I might be able to do this. Yeah, uh, so I I did beat three Rebel Alphas throughout uh, day one, I believe. Maybe it was only two. Mm. Let me just double check. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I I still feel like yeah, it's it was three Rebel Alphas. Alpha. Uh, so it's not as strong against the Rebel Alpha as the five Y wings were because uh, you've got one fewer ship that can get behind the uh, enemy. Uh, the real part where it becomes more coin flippy is. Uh, Fen now has a serious target to use his ability on, Poe, and so like there it starts to really become a matter of luck uh, that he can really lock one ship down and a significant portion of your list. Uh, the real trick to Ferrisphere against Rebel Alpha is it's not going to stop the locks from happening. They're still going to lock you and still going to shoot their munitions off. But those Y-Wings with the turret, with the boost, with the calculate, they then get behind the enemy because you basically, like the stress is equivalent to a light ion. You know vaguely where they're going to go, and you can get behind them. Yeah. And once you're behind them, you can't be shot. So uh, that's the real defensive power of the list. Cool. No, I think that's uh, really interesting. It is good to see how lists 
evolve. Um, I know we made some changes to my list, so we uh, essentially it was still the same with the Hound, uh, Click, Contrail, Obi-Wan, and Luminara. Um, but we ended up going with uh, what I thought was a bit of a a Mimi kind of combo of uh, Satine and Corky on Hound, uh, but turns out to be really good. So, um, yes, I was... I've seen that. It, it's vile. Yeah. I can't... It, it's so difficult to chew through, isn't it? Especially when you think you've got your position. You think, right, then I can do some damage this turn. Click does his thing. And then you've got tokens out the wazoo. I mean, it was really entertaining just watching... So Tim was uh, getting practice games before finals, right? And in the England Discord, it was just a series of people going, Oh, man. Hey, hey! That list. Oh, sorry. You're going to have to bleep that one out. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like, screw that list. I really don't want to play against it ever again. Just, like, one after another in succession has everyone got to practice against it. it. Just, like, I think... I'm I'm going to get on my soapbox in a bit about Satine, but I think that her ability combined with the three agility and defensiveness and all of like the wombo combo of like the Hound, Satine, Luminara and everything, it's just a bit much. And uh, I do think that Loadout and Hawks is going to be a thing that we need to have a look at or just up, increase the points on Satine, but one of the two. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's that's fair. I mean, my list does turn all that up to 11. So you have it's Luminara's ability, it's dedicated, it's Click's ability, it's Satine, it's you know Hound's ability. So it does all work together. Um, I mean, I did just play on Hexard earlier today um, and ended up losing to a Rebel list. So you know you can push damage through. You kill the Lat, I lose. You know, obviously, you know the big trick with Satine and lose Corky's ability. Um, so it has got a bit of a flaw. Uh, well, not a flaw, but. You know, there there are ways to beat it. It's not quite Hera as she used to be, um, sort of level of silliness. Um but no, it is pretty um pretty good and I mean I suppose there is a downside. At least I am if I'm taking my evades, I am disarming myself. So I am foregoing. Now if I haven't got a shot then that's fine. Um but sometimes I actually forego shooting you to take those tokens. So there is a bit of a downside and Satine is also every other turn. Um, so you do have to think about when, you know, do I pop it now in the range three, range two engagement when I could perhaps get some early damage in, or am I going to hold it until we have that meat grinder, you know, the turn after, um, I mean, I'm, I'm hearing all your arguments and that's fair, but when you can have Obi-Wan and Anita with two force, what two evades and a reinforce, I feel like your argument's invalid. Uh, the other thing I well, think to note is, it is, it is it is doable, but it is also. The, I'm being the, yeah. I'm being facetious. I know, no, no. I know. There, I mean, there is counterplay, but it yeah. just sucks. Like, in games where it works well, it's horrendous. And like, especially, and the funniest thing I commented about um, leading up to the XDC finals is that there were, I think, eight Republic lists. Six were essentially the Gen Con list. You had the Philippines list, and you had my list. And what I said to the team was, as I said, I bet people aren't going to practice against my, against my list. They're going to practice against the six, you know, the Gen Con list because there's six of them, and that's that's the list people are going to be sort of thinking about and more worried about. And the the amount of games I played over the course of the weekend where people went, mm, I really should have read about what your list does. Like I think that was what my last game against the Australian, and he was just like. Uh, what, what are you doing? And, and I said, oh, now I'm doing this, now I'm doing that. He's just like, I really should have read what you, what your list does. 
and it was just like yeah you just it's just a big note list um which you know i have always been one to like my sort of synergy lists um so like you know the you know the inferno squadron and stuff like that you know ships that are are working well together and and this list so yeah very much sort of suit my playstyle um i will put the link to all the xtc lists in the show notes um so if anybody's interested they can pop along um whilst we're talking about xtc lists um, I know, Brendan, you posted up uh, a breakdown. I know a few people have done it. Um, I don't know if you and Ollie want to chat, or even Liam, about any particular um, interesting stats that are coming out of that breakdown. Uh, where was the postage? Uh, so it's in the Snapshots Live uh, private chat on Discord. Let's have a butchers. So, yeah, for example, uh, so like all 10 teams took Empire, which... Seems quite sensible. Uh, so I think a couple of the big ones are uh, Republic was taken by eight teams, and the only two teams that didn't take them were in the bottom. Uh, First Order, the only team that didn't take them were in the bottom. Uh, and Rebel, there was one team that didn't take Rebel, and they won. Yes. And I'd, I'd also argue, so this is the interesting thing, because if you have a look at Scum's win rate, Scum's win rate was awful. Um, Which it, you do have to have a bit of a grain of salt, because like some of these factions may have been paired into each other, and so that'll automatically bring the... Uh, yeah, that's down. true. Yeah. I, uh, it's, it, it's a little bit dangerous, as you say, uh, going by individual faction win rates, um, because with with a pairing system here... We don't know how teams led. I mean, I I was having this argument um, with someone the other day, like because uh, as Tim was saying, Gary's done this as well, and the Republic win rate is ridiculous. But I think you've also got to take into account, Tim. Did you go six and three? Yep. And my um, three, my three losses were to Republic. Yeah. So if you have a look at it, Marcel went eight and one, and Marco went eight and one as well with those Republic lists. Um, they they are like Marcel is an incredible player, Marco is an incredible player. If I was a captain in their teams, I would be looking to leverage those two like ace players, if you like, uh, to get wins for me. So there is an argument that if you're taking a slightly more I mean Tim's list is uh is another matter, but if you're taking like the Gen Con Republic, you would maybe pad those stats a little bit because you're trying to get it into the counter matchups more often. Um but I agree with you. Like looking at the looking at the win rates of this fa- these factions is super interesting, especially like as you say, you spotted that rebels quite early. Um, I wasn't expecting rebels to be so low, and even in the finals, I was expecting them to just be about fifty percent and solid, uh, as opposed to taking the uh, the battering that they did. Uh, everyone was prepared for them. Uh, so, uh, for example, I know in our pairings, uh, like everyone had a counter to rebels, so then people couldn't lead with Rebels, and they had to keep their Rebel players back. And then the result was all the captains uh, then kept their counters back and would still present two counters to Rebels in the end. Yeah, so we did this last year with the um, with the double fire spray because you know everyone was taking that. Um, so what's, what's super interesting to me uh, is I agree with all of that. However, you could still argue that Empire was a faction that everyone was expecting and everyone knew the lists like it was either going to be vader of five it was going to be vader a reaper and some ties or it was going to be the double decimator uh, because it seems like no one really wanted to play the tie swarm in the xtc which did surprise me um 
what would you say that it's still got a 56% win rate? Is that just the Empire is that good? or uh, The list is just solid at what it does. I don't think there's quite as many hard counters that do as well into the field. Whereas, for example, Rebels, they have counters that do a lot better into the rest of the field. Hmm. I'm I'm going to fling this one to Liam uh, for a second. Because Liam absolutely smashed it in groups with FO. Um, and FO struggled here. And I know that Liam personally struggled a little bit into the Rebel matchups that we thought he was going to be very successful into. Um, how do you feel like that standard like Bomber, Whisper, um, FO list is handling itself right now? Uh, I think a lot of people have answers for it. But it's one of these lists that struggles for damage output if things don't go quite your way. So if there's a bit of variance here and there, it's likely variance in the wrong places, should I say. Uh, if your opponent gets good greens when you get good reds, or you get poor reds and whatever, it's one of those that really hinders the list. And I think there was a couple of my matchups where I was just struggling to put damage through. I was missing bullseyes by like a mill. It was just a lot of small things that were happening. Uh, maybe wouldn't happen on a tabletop. Mm. But because I was struggling to get a damage output where in previous times I haven't, uh, that's where I really struggled. So I wasn't taking things off, off the table where I needed to. Like ships were living two, three turns on one health and I wasn't able to take them off for one reason or another. Uh, and that's what really... That's say two of my four losses on the weekend really got me uh i mean i was into rebels twice over the weekend and i lost i lost well three times i hit them two of them were losses uh yeah and, and i know i think I know, because yeah, it's a matchup i felt i should win hmm. i did go on tilt i was like i'd I hit this mental block where I didn't really know what was going on. I then had a, a chat with Toby and he was like, you just got to keep on doing what you're doing. We know you're a good player. Things happen. Just get on with it and do what you do because we know you can get the result. And then you guys it, left me a uh, rebel alpha in the, in the last round. I know. Right. And you had to win the, Hey, Hey, oh, I've done it again. Sorry, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I did. And it was against Acticon. So that was tough. But I think it's FO have, have been found out to an extent. Uh, but a lot... Well, no one was taking my variant of it. Everyone was normally going with the two bombers. Mm. And I think that's the variant people have really found out. Yeah, they know how to play against it. I mean, similar to the Rebels, yeah. I would argue that... With with the Rebels, you can learn how to play against an Alpha. I think with the FO, you can also learn how to play against Chaff. Um, it takes a while, but you can do it. And I'd, I'd also argue that I, I was finding a very annoying problem uh, with Ezra when I was playing in the group stages and early on with my list when I swapped Ezra in. Um, I was jamming things, and they were still one-shotting me because every now and then you just roll three or four out of hand and you tie fighter blanks. Like that's a thing that tie fighters do. And I just, I was just like, well, why, but I've, but I've jammed you. And you've got to remember that as much as taking away your opponent's mods is good. Sometimes dice luck does just happen. Same thing. with uh, Fenral. Things. 
I had a disgusting uh, roll where I K-turned Poe behind Luke, and I decided to save my Protorp against Wedge, just like get some damage into Luke. Uh, he's still got a shield. I'm unmodded at range one. Just natty roll socks and sandals. Two hits, two crits. Uh, first crits of fuel leak. Kill Luke. Oh my god, that sounds like what Nobby did to me. I don't, I don't ever want to hear about that game again. Ugh. Yeah, when when your A wing gets one shot at range three through the asteroid because she rolls five blanks, it's always very sad. Yeah. Yeah, it's always always a way, and you know sometimes that is the curse of three agility, where you think you're absolutely fine, and then yeah, just blank die. But I think that is a, you know really interesting uh, take from it that obviously uh, Canada, the only team not to take rebels, go on and win the event. Uh, we certainly spotted, I think, the missing FO and thought the team would struggle. But I remember we had an interesting conversation when we were talking about um, what list we were taking, and. Uh, certainly when the the points update came for two point six, and like the Anakin bomber list was sort of very much broken apart, um, there were some voices on the team that basically were, you know, saying that Republic were out. Um, but yeah, Republic very much of, you know, I think come to the forefront of of you know the XTC sort of, um, you know the the results and 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 you know players that have done well and. I think there are some very good players that have taken Republic. So, yeah, it's very interesting to uh, see the, see that breakdown. I, f- I feel like, and th- this is more of a an aspect on why X-Wing players take lists. And I think, I can't remember who it is in America. It might be Gold Squadron that we're talking about this. Um, that people are actually very, very bad at understanding what is good. Uh, they just follow what players do well with. So if you have a look at the XTC, it's a prime example. Duncan Howard wins Gen Con with uh, a, a good Republic list, one that I think is better in person because it's easier to line up bullseyes in person than it is to line up bullseyes on TTS. It's just perspective is hard. And if you can do that in Gen Con, fine. And Duncan Howard is an incredible player, but then suddenly you see almost 50% of the XTC list pick up this Republic lists just because it's one. And I, I think there is... it. It's interesting to see it doing well, and we're we're getting this trend at the moment where, uh, and it's really cool to see the meta evolving. But we are getting this trend where something comes out, it smashes face, people find a, a fix to it, something new comes out, and that like Satine, for example, is the new thing that's come out, um, and eventually people learn how to play against it. But it, it it does feel at the moment that we've got a lot of gotcha X wing going on. I don't know if that's because of the amount of loadout of ships. It's very hard to keep track, but it does feel like uh you run into a new list that you don't really understand and manaru with gar saxon is another one um that you shoot and then she just punches you back with four dice it's uh yeah it's interesting cool so uh so so go go uh so on the note of the gen con winning list like i think people like their jedi and they know how to fly aces so they can pick that up but it's very toolboxy as a lot of things that can be swapped out. So, like, we did see uh, half of uh, the people in XTC pick up that list, but we saw a lot of variations on it, which maybe that's what's part of what makes it so good. People can flavor or season it to taste. Maybe it's what you explained. Uh, people don't know why the list is good. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll freely admit that I kind of dismissed the list. Um, I felt that some of the upgrades weren't great 
Um, but I think in the hands of a good ace player, um, and that's essentially it beat me because I got out aced in um, those games. I mean, I think uh, I can't remember which one if it was. I'm not sure if it, it was against Andrew or against Marcel, uh, but I, I essentially was first player for the first six turns, and that was massive. I think I think it was Andrew. It, it was just a ridiculous amount of me being first player, and that just meant that his fives had perfect board. Um, you know knowledge over my fives um so yeah that was um yeah very very tricky for me um and you know i sort of it's not my list it's not a list that i would want to fly um but i certainly respected a lot more afterwards cool so i think what we'll do now so do we want to have a brief chat about anything from the finals results wise or I mean, I think one thing we should note uh, that Canada were the only unbeaten team uh, after day one. Um, so that's, you know, always an impressive sort of uh, benchmark to sort of set out. And, you know, the, you know, the rest of the teams have to take note of that. Um, yeah, so we saw our schedule for uh, the finals and we like looked and oh, day two, we faced the USA, England, Ireland and then Germany. We were playing the three best team in the finals as well as the states. Like, uh, and so we Ooh. sort of said, if our like our blueprint to success in this is we're just going to have to rack up the wins and like at most lose one or two games on uh, day two, which it happened. Yeah, we were. I'm not going to lie. When we saw the fact that we were playing you guys and the USA on day two, we we're feeling pretty good. And yeah, it was. We, we we were close, and it, it was a really good series uh, versus Canada. Yeah. It, I enjoyed that series. Well, the, you know, the interesting thing is, even if we'd beaten Canada, we would still have come second. Oh, yeah. I, I think what does deserve to be said, because uh, I've said it a couple of times now, but I am going to shout it from the rooftops, uh, you guys did a ridiculous job to only lose a single game, especially considering that pretty much your whole team was playing from, like, one in the morning until nine nine o'clock in the morning it was like not pretty much our entire team like our entire team yeah you're, you're like the i don't think people quite understand without having played in it the level of competition that you get in things like the world championships and the xtc to go consistently eight wins and only lose a single round against some of the best players in the entire world is insane and the entire canadian team deserves a lot of props for that because last year the three winners were all tied on three losses so as far as i'm aware canada is the only team apart from poland where there was only eight teams to only lose a single game in the xtc uh and i do want to sh like reiterate like the level of competition is nuts uh like some teams did stray towards the bottom and some straight towards the top but uh like three teams were on three wins out of that which is hardly shabby right like there's nobody in the series who uh just lost all their games and went uh o and x uh i took a look at who beat who and the only two teams that didn't uh beat a top uh, table team were uh spain which uh they only got two wins and also italy they won five games and they happened to beat every single team in the bottom but uh czech republic australia philippines and ireland they managed to get a win against one of the top half teams yeah just everyone's really good it's scary 
regard the level of uh, competition, like I lost two games day one, and it crushed me. Like I felt awful, and I was there going like I'm normally like a solid five-one player now, and I'm sitting there not really knowing what's going wrong. And then it, at the end of the day, people were just saying it's not a standard tournament. This on paper is the best players from the best countries at this stage, and it made me feel a lot better and a little more relieved that I mean I had some bad games, but ultimately it's going to happen because mm. none of these games are walkovers. Not a single one. Even the subs are top quality. Yeah, and I, I did mention this, uh, sort of alluded to it earlier. I think uh, America and, uh, sorry, the USA and Canada are really, really put out here um, because you guys have such a large player base compared to the fact that you're only allowed to bring like five players and two subs. Um yeah, like everyone at the tournament is someone that you just expect that if they rocked up to a 40-person tournament, you look at them and go, oh yeah, that guy's going to win. Like, they are the people that will consistently be going 5-1 and one and getting top fours and wins in all the local tournaments. And that's just the first guy that you rock up and, and you play that guy like five times in a row on day one. And yeah, it's uh, it's a lot. <laughs> Oh, and the other thing to think about as well is that this is the finals. So this, although Spain say came bottom, they still finished tenth out of twenty-five teams. Mm. You know, so you know the teams have had to qualify for the finals. So they've already won their groups or come second in their groups. So they're looking at roughly three three round wins. Um, and, you know, there were some you know good teams that didn't make it through. You know, France didn't make it through this year, and there's some very very good players in the French team. Um and yeah, it is it's a very competitive event. Um and that sort of perhaps brings me on to my next thing, which is it'd be very interesting to uh sort of get your experiences from the three of you. So Ollie is a very experienced XTC player. Brendan is a kind of a sort of middling XTC sort of experience, maybe were you This you was played, my first year. Was it your first year as well? Okay, so I wasn't sure yep. if you played last year. Uh, but Liam was obviously brand new as well, so maybe um, you know. You, uh, I know Ollie's obviously played a lot of in person, and I've played in person in in other gaming systems. Uh, but obviously, how how you guys found the whole uh, experience? Shall I go first? Yeah. Stressful. Yeah. Okay. So so uh, entire, yeah. like it was just hard from start to finish. Uh, I think. A personal thing for me that I struggle with is not for selfish reasons, but playing in the team. So, like, I'm always there. I'm like, if you want to bust me, bust me. I'll do it. I'll do whatever helps the team win. But if I lose and the team loses the round, say, 3-2, I take that very personally. I find it hard to forgive myself for losing my game because I feel like I'm the quality of player that should be able to get wins when I need them. Uh, and it's kind of putting the perspective on yourself knowing that it is a team game so if you lose a single game you li- your team loses the round you do lose as a team There's, there was no one there going Liam you mess this up for us it was don't worry just head up next game but I seem like I'm the type of person that does focus on things like that Like so I, it probably takes a little more encouragement to drag me up because I am hard on myself. But as stressful as it was, 
having the team environment, messaging people from other teams as well, such as Canada, because uh, I think we exchanged a few messages throughout the day as well. Uh, yeah. It's as rewarding as it is soul-destroying, if that makes any sense. No, absolutely. I think, you know, we, we had a few chats through the day as well, and that's what I was trying to stress to you is that, you know, you sort of, we, we win as a team and we lose as a team. And, you know, yes, all right, we may have lost 2-3 and you may have lost your game, but two other players lost their games as well. Uh, and, you know, it's, it is one of these things. It's like, yeah, I, I understand the pressure. Like, you know, I, I could feel the pressure as well. And you do, certainly in the group stage was terrible because if you played, uh, say, on the Tuesday night and, oh, yeah. the, and the others weren't playing until Friday, Saturday, and I, I played up first and, you know, lost my game, I would be feeling rotten for like three or four days because I'd lost the first game and then you guys would go and smash it and we'd win 4-1. I'd be like, oh, I feel loads better now. But I felt rubbish for like three days because it's like, I don't know how I've lost that game, but equally I've lost that game. I've, you know, cost cost the round. So, yeah, there, I mean, there's definitely a different kind of pressure, uh, I think, compared to a singles event when it's a team event. Um, How, how about yourself, Brendan? Uh, so... One of the big differences with uh, physical versus table or TTS is when you're playing physically, you always go to like your friends and you chat them up and you watch the other games, right? But because there's that no interference policy and we're all online, we can't like physically be face to face. Like, uh, you sort of lose that camaraderie. Uh, the rest of the team, Canada was absolutely fantastic. We were like. I don't know how you guys did, but so we've got our own Discord and we were giving quick updates and like being encouraging and whatnot. Every time someone had a win, like we'd post a gif of The Rock uh, ringing a bell and saying, let's go. <laughs> like every win. So, like, uh, especially towards the end of the round uh, during the finals, like there would just be four rocks in a row. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Like and I, I think that camaraderie really helped. Like uh so for example against Octor, I was down twelve to nineteen uh in salvage and like they were saying like guys, guys, just come on, like just stay focused. And like I saw the blueprint of how to uh squeeze out that game, right? Like uh I kill wedge and I uh score the two crates and I, I also had to kill uh, pop Luke's crate off. So like it was a slim like series of events but like that blueprint was there and like just seeing them like guys it's 2020 and like seeing them all cheer and then guys i killed luke it's 27 to 21 right like uh again i think that camaraderie really helped us through uh it was a ton of fun yeah that's cool yeah i think i think that's what we we tried to do as well is you know we'd we'd all pop back to the england discord afterwards jump into the room have a chat have a moan about our dice or you know, you know, whatever happened during the game, and yeah, certainly, uh, you know, uh, people like Toby and Paul, I know, were sort of commenting uh, on posts, sort of saying, you know, well done, or you know, head up, keep going, that sort of stuff. So yeah. it was, yeah, certainly good to see. Um, yeah. Ollie, so, so for more of an, an experienced uh, head, then, so how how did you find this year's XTC? Um, I feel like this year's XTC, I I'd, I'd learned a lot from the previous years. Uh, because I've done, I think this is number seven, maybe number six, because um, I captained Wales first year and then I've captained England since. And it cannot be understated just how different online XTC is to in-person XTC. Uh, if you're in person, 
um, and I'm going to use Liam's last game as an example. Uh, Liam was playing actor in the last game, and even as the captain, I was allowed to pop in and talk to him if I had to. Um, but I basically popped in and then disappeared out. Like they were still doing okay. They were the final game to finish. We were on two and two. Um, pardon me. Uh, we were on two and two against Australia. And if Liam wins the game, then we come second. If Liam loses the game, we come third. Um, we were going to be, uh, and we could be tied with Germany and really say, okay, we managed to get second place. Uh, and we're just waiting. Now, if that was the in-person XTC, then what would have happened is literally the entire room, just like in a final, would have been gathered around watching, like obviously respectfully, but just watching to see what would happen. You could like you could feel the hype and everything else. Um, whereas what was happening is we just had to wait, like chatting to each other, really nervous in a Discord for half an hour uh, while Liam finished his game. So it's a very, very different experience. Um, I don't think that. it helped that neither Acto or myself knew what time we were actually on because we had delays, he dropped out, yeah, right. time stopped. So and... I, I just was like, guys, how long's left on the round? Because we've been playing for a while, but our timer is clearly wrong. And they're like, oh, the, the time went off ages ago. So I just said to Acto, I was like, so apparently the global timer went off. Uh, do you want to play another round? He's like, yeah, we'll play another round get a fair result instead of just dropping it where it is because it clearly favoured me at the time. Yeah. And then I just dropped back into the chat. I was like, uh, so that's a 25-13 win. What does Ugh. that mean for us? So I was, I was like completely isolated from every chat going on around it. It's like discussing what the result of this game meant for the team. So it had to yeah. be explained to me slowly that I'd just... <laughs> Whereas, I yeah, just managed to secure second place for us. Because for half an oh, hour, we'd literally been waiting on it. Um, yeah, it's it's just really weird because normally as the captain, I would be able to be essentially like in between turns, just like looking up and down the tables, wandering in between and like and keeping an eye and like looking after my players. And I'm really glad that we had uh, Paul and Toby around this year and Kez because they could be doing that in between rounds while I'm online. Um, you just Chris can't. As well. Oh yeah, Chris. Yeah, um, Mr. Burnett, our super super sub that wasn't technically allowed to be on the team. Um, yeah, it's like amazing, really, really was. Um, and it's it's. I'm really looking forward to it being back in person, but I'm glad that it can happen online with Canada involved and Australia involved and uh, Philippines and Singapore and everyone. So yeah, well, it's... we won. So Eurovision, <laughs> you're gonna have to come to us next year. And that's I mean, absolutely I, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll come across. I mean, counterpoint. I don't think I could get another crowdfund for that. Counterpoint. <laughs> if we go to Poland, it's literally in a brewery. Yeah, eh, we can host a party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is the tricky thing with in-person play. And that, and that came back to a point I made earlier that, you know, some people grumble about who makes the team. It isn't necessarily the best players. It's the players who are prepared to travel. And certainly from um, most of the ETCs I've been involved with, the 40K tends to be Eastern Europe because it's pretty decent for people traveling. Um, a lot of European-based players can, can drive there. It tends to be a bit cheaper as well. Um, mm. But I know that, for example, the Australians would only play every other year because they couldn't financially commit to flying over every year. Um, uh, they actually have just won the 40k. Uh, they call it the WTC now, the World Team Championship. 
uh, which was held in Belgium. So, uh, yeah, the, congrats to the Australians for that. Hey. Um, but, yeah, he is a massive financial commitment. So I think that's what has been very good with having the online XTC is that more players from around the world have been able to uh, take part. Um, and whether or not we could have it piggyback onto another event, I don't know if we'll see Europeans or something like that uh, next year that we would sort of piggyback onto or yeah, something else. But um, well, yeah. one point. Mm-hmm. It's way easy. It's way easier mocking teams when you're not playing than it is mocking teams when you are playing. I tell you that. Yeah. I what I would say on on that regard, um, there's been some plans afoot for a little while, and the drop of two point five kind of put a pin in it. Um, I've been talking with Bartosz and Pifo uh, because they are really the heads of the XTC at this point, and I'm more like a just the hype man. Um, but I've been talking to them about the idea of having a non-country related XTC. Um, and it might actually line up with something that a lot of, and I know a lot of people have said, why are we doing country teams? Why can't people just enter as many teams as they like? Um, and I'm wondering whether or not we could have one of them that's in person with the countries and everything else. And you make it uh, this whole massive event. And you could do that in each area, right? Because I know that the the OTC happens in Australia for their area. We could have like an American, because I know that the crates have crate cup, right? But you can make a big American one with the XTC rules and you can have the, uh, um, the, turn it back into the ETC again in Europe. But then you could have like a world's team championship where anyone can enter. And we can, instead of doing it in the summer, you could do it in like maybe winter time. So you, you get a bit of spacing. Um, but I'm going to chat to Pifo about having the opportunity to have both an online and an offline XTC because I think it'd be great to keep like, all of these countries involved. Club yeah. X-Wing and International X-Wing. Yeah. Excellent. No, that would be, um, yeah, I think really promising. And, and I, I must say that, you know, I've always really loved team-based uh, wargaming events. I think it does bring a a very different element. Um, it's certainly not a lot nicer going to say singles events with your club mates, and like you say, you can go and chat to people. But um, the team based events just is another level of um, you know, sort of um, camaraderie and and teamwork. So it is um, yeah. It's if you can play in a team event, uh, do so. And funny enough, we are running one in November. Uh, so check that out on our uh, events tab on our Facebook page. Um, now, unfortunately, we're getting close to sort of wrapping up because I know little Boba needs to go and have his walk, or is it Liam needs to go for his walk? I'm not too, it's too both. sure. Both, okay. It's a joint effort that benefits us both. Uh, so what we'll probably do is we just go around the table if there's any sort of conclusions or, or thoughts um, or moving forwards um, or even shout-outs. Uh, Brendan, I shall throw it over to you first. Uh, so overall, first year, like again, it is incredibly competitive event. Uh, as said, uh, I'd be remiss if I uh, didn't bring this up again with the com- camaraderie. Uh, with all the comeback wins uh, we managed, like we started saying amongst ourselves, "Okay, guys, if you would lose, just win instead." And then it kept happening. We kept winning games where we should have lost. So we now have, as our official motto, when you would lose, just win. 
Uh, I'd also like to shout out all uh, Cap or Cam, the captain, like incredible job organizing and uh, getting us the matchups we need. And every single member of the team and uh, support like just did a fantastic job. Uh, like even our uh, coach Jonas, he was up at ridiculous hours for a maritime or like just cheering us on and uh, like telling us uh, how good we were doing. Uh, excellent group all around. Uh, over to you, Ollie. Um, in with the lack of uh, Rich on the podcast this week, uh, I'd like to put a massive shout out to Ireland again. Uh, the guys did amazing, and uh, yeah, showed that you don't need to be a big country to be genuinely terrifying at X-wing. Uh, so good job there, and more importantly for all of the people in the team, uh, thank you to both the support and for the team itself. Uh, good job, England. Uh, you guys put in a real good stint, so great job. Yay me. Yay me. <laughs> Go on then, Liam. Who, who, uh, what are your conclusion or shout-outs, etc.? If you ever get the opportunity to play in an XTC team, know you will enjoy it and hate it just as much. Think of it like Blood Bowl. You will want to play, but when you play you will start to hate the game, but love it at the same time. I need a little bit of stress. Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> a little bit of stress. I don't think I slept the second night or the first night. I was I was I, just toasted. Uh, uh, go on. You'll really buzz on those wins. Like, every single time your team wins, like, you'll really be buzzing on them. Yeah. It is. It's, there's something about winning a round that is very Moorish. It's an addiction. And it's nice to see the people that you know you're playing with do well. It really does bring you a, a weird sense of great team spirit that I don't think I've ever been part of. Like I've played in football teams, and you know, win is good, but because this is just a game, one game after another, and there's this constant communication, you do just bounce. And even if you do hit a low, you end up bouncing the next round, regardless of the result. Uh, it's something I'd advise everyone to do. Team events are something I've generally avoided, but now I'm starting to embrace them a bit more because I know how fun they can be. It's a big high. Uh, so, yeah, that's all I can say. I'd like to thank Ollie for putting his faith in me after all I did. Let everyone know that I wasn't selected on a single team last year. Uh, big big shout out to every team in the uh, in the finals and obviously the group stages but the finals it was a big day big props to Ireland for making it there uh, big props to Philippines for qualifying when yes. nobody got them in uh, big props to South Canada for showing us how good you really are and losing to us uh, <laughs> and I'll say big props to Canada because obviously you won you gained 51 states by winning the entire thing. And uh, it'll be good to meet some of you guys in Chicago. Yeah, it'll be incredibly fun to see you guys over. Uh, going back real quick to like that level of competition again, if you look at all of the sets, there's not a, or there is a single 5-0 blitzing, which coincidentally it was you guys against the Czech Republic, but like, like just about no blowouts. Like, it is really tight. 
No, yeah. and of those five O games, I think there was two of them that maybe we shouldn't have won, but then we just thought really hard about winning, and it happened. When you would lose, <laughs> just win instead. Yeah. I mean, I was a lot of points down against an Imperialist, and then Makilo did a 5k, shot his concussions out the back and finished off later to win me the game. So <laughs> that was in the last turn as well, so magical things can happen. There we go. Yeah, that's it. You know, we just just ch- channel your inner Canadian, and when you're going to lose, just win. Uh, I, my shout-outs, I would just like to shout-out PFO, um, Funwalk, uh, Louie, anybody else involved in running, organising things with the XDC, all the captains uh, who sit on a secret you know, forum arguing with each other, uh, but ultimately, obviously, you know, organise all these uh, adults to attend and, and uh, turn up and play games. Uh, and then all the players. Uh, I think um, certainly all the games I played were, you know, it's you know, all very sporting, all, um, you know, sort of top-level X-Wing games. Um, so, yeah, thanks to everybody who's been involved in the XTC for another year. It has been a lot of fun. Um, but that is all we've got time for this week. Uh, so I just want to sort of thank everybody for coming on. And it's uh, goodbye from Brendan. Bye. Goodbye from Ollie. And bye-bye. Goodbye from Liam. Doodles. And uh, auf Shen. <laughs> and it's uh, goodbye from me. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you all next time. The defensemen were steady. The wings had played a wine. They charged as one into the fray. The battle seven aside. In desperation, they pressed on for more. They wanted to show them the boys knew the score. The defensemen were steady. The wings they played a wide. They charged as one into the fray. The battle seven aside. In desperation, they pressed on for more. The boys tasted victory. The boys from the Bruce knew the score.